but man, oh man, don't you ever, ever do a cannonball in a three-foot pool again. <laughs> I saw everyone jump plenty the first time we did that, and I felt very confident that I was going to be fine, and I was. And if you look at the video, I don't even come close to scraping the bottom. We're just fine. But I did. You see that I did get gingerly to the edge um, and was very careful from there. Um, so it worked out all fine. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 214 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. Boy, I am honored to bring back somebody who is a return visitor. Last time we caught up with him, he was up there in the Pacific Northwest. Now he's out in the desert, all seawalled to the Arizona Diamondbacks. How you doing, man? Doing great. It's hard to, hard to be better in the National League Championship Series, so it's, uh, it's pretty good around here. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to let everybody know that we are recording this on the day off in between games two and three. So the series has shifted back to Arizona. And I really want to thank you for doing this because I think it would have been easy for you guys to say, hey, listen, Chris, we lost the first two. It wasn't pretty in Philly. We had a long flight back, barely slept, the whole thing. And I would have perfectly understood it. Um, explain to everybody why you are doing this. I just, you know, I really enjoy you and your show and who you are and you've been nothing but courteous to me and supportive of this game i think your podcast the, all these videos all they do is grow the game and if i can be a part of that i want to be a part of that and i'm thankful that you know, uh you invited me on the show more than anything well that's very kind i do appreciate that i was <laughs> but and and you know so first of all kind of run us through the whole traffic what time did you guys get it in so we got, we landed about three fifteen last night. Kind of by the time uh, my wife and I got to the got to the house, about four thirty with our bags, and uh, yeah, just one of those mornings. But hey, it's the postseason. Take today. We had a nice little workout. Nothing crazy. Get the blood pumping. Get your body moving, and uh, we're gonna get a good night rest, and we're gonna be ready to rock and roll tomorrow afternoon. All right, good, good. I like that. Did you bring your little one or no? So we didn't bring Chloe to Philly. This was like we brought her to Milwaukee, the Milwaukee trip and the LA trip. Eight days on the road. She was great last night. Kind of like, all right, mom and dad, like, get me home. Get me home. I need my bed. Uh, and this was just like so quick. The two days, three hour time change. We knew the game was at eight o'clock Eastern. Like, you're just kind of looking ahead of time like this is not going to work. But we were thankful for the village at home that kept her at home. And so when she uh, when we woke up, she was ready to see mom and dad today. It was perfect. Oh, I'm sure that I mean, that'll make whatever has happened in the series so far wash away pretty quick, won't it? Much better, much better. It's easy to take an O2 loss when I get to see my daughter at the end of the trip. That's definitely yeah. that's definitely a way to go. Uh, unfortunately, you haven't had a chance to participate quite yet. So kind of walk me through a bunch of things here of what has transpired. Um, let's start with the atmosphere itself, because for me, at the beginning of the playoffs, I said that that is one of the few home field advantages in this sport. Do you agree? I would say yes. I would start to err on the side of so this is my fifth my fifth uh pl playoff series. Toronto was a pretty loud introduction. Houston is a pretty loud introduction as, you know, especially when they start to go. Um we were, the crowd was great in Seattle. Milwaukee and and, and LA we kind of took advantage of gaining the lead and gaining momentum. It didn't quite, you know, reach decibel levels that, you know, normally do in a playoff series and that was fantastic on our part and um we got hit in the mouth by Philly and we needed to do that to them to cool off CBP. And that was kind of, that's where we kind of lost those two games was getting hit in the mouth right there with the leadoff homers and first inning homers and kind of early kind of falling behind. I think, um, you know, they're an incredible fan base that 
wasn't planning on sitting down much, but I think things could have been differently had we taken a five nothing lead in game one. I don't think they would have been quite as rowdy um, and quite as loud. So that's if we have the privilege of going back there for game six, if we manage to win a couple games here, the biggest thing to take care of the bank would be to get the lead. That would be the most important thing. So um, they were loud and they were rowdy and they were supportive, but you know, their offense gave them a chance to chance to uh, really make some noise. If we can cool them off, that'll, that'll obviously help our chances. Are they funny? The fans funny. I think more rude would be the word that I would probably take. Maybe not <laughs> funny. Um, I didn't hear many funny jokes. I did hear some rude comments, but Hey, that's uh that's Philly. That's, you know, I finally got a real postseason Philly atmosphere. That will be something I will never forget. Is there a fan base where, when you're pitching on the road where you're like, they're pretty good, like comedy, like they're really all right. You know, it's, so we're kind of talking about it. It's when there's 45,000 people kind of drowns a little bit into white noise, a tad, like, you know, it's very overwhelming when they start chanting your name, that sort of thing. But there's nothing, there's nothing quite like Oakland where like, there's one guy, like you hear him and he's way up there and you're like, get out of my head. Like I can hear you because there's nobody making any noise. That's in my opinion, that's worse than the whole crowd. It's just the one person. And you just know, you know exactly where he is. You're trying to focus on the, on the plate. And you're just like, I hear you over there. Like you just yelling at me. Um, that for me, that's worse. That's worse. Especially when you warm up on the mound there or like warm up on the field there in Oakland and they can kind of just, just chirp you a little bit. Cause they're right there. That's, that's, that gets in my head a little bit more than the big crowd. I think. Have you ever had to tell somebody to just shut the hell up? I would never say that to a fan, Chris. They are fans. We're so thankful to have them at all the games. I've never said anything to a fan. Wink, wink. Come on. I mean, sometimes they take it too far. You know, it's part of being a fan, and that's totally fine. That's part of being on the road. But when they have to take it too far and you, you know, there's rude comments that, like, really cross a line where it's like, hey, like, you got to get the F out of here. Like, I'm done with that. Like, that's hmm. done. Um, I would. An applaud to the Philly security guards. They were really on it. Whatever was, you know, you suck, Paul. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. You're getting. They start really coming at people, and they, you know, they moved them out of the way. I thought they did a great job, actually. That's good. Yeah. Uh, listen, I was. We were all kids and idiots at one point. I've told this yes. story before on certain things, like when I was a uh, a younger Cavs fan, and the Cavs were getting really good in the late '80s. We had season tickets. I was probably 17 rows from the court, so I'm nowhere close to it. But I remember yelling at the top of my lungs that Bill Lane Beer was a pussy, fucking pussy. And here I am, seven. I was 17 years old, and I remember everybody turning around and looking at me like, what is the matter with you? And the dude I was with was like, come on, bro. Don't be a jerk. It's short for fanatic. You get a little crazy, and I totally, I get it. Like, when I go to Golden Knights games, I kind of like, I start to get into it too. It's just part of being a fan and being around everybody. You just, it's almost like you're not yourself. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but I, I will say, I thought a little rude, but not over the line. And and if they did, the security guards were really good about, Hey, you know, you're, you're away from the bullpen section. Like take a hike, take a hike. So, um, wasn't crazy. It just, you know, it was real loud and it was, you know, for 18 straight innings. And, and the key, if we get to go back there will be to take a lead and try and cool it off a little bit. Yeah. I'll give the security cards this, and some people didn't like my take on on baseball today about it. I applauded the security guard that took. Did you see the fan running onto the field after the game? It was right in front of us. So, you know, I was not in the best mood yesterday. I just grabbed my bag. I was like, "Let's 
get the hell out of this place. Like, let's go. And I was kind of rushed down the stairs. I was like, let's get out of here. And I kind of like, I was like, oh, this guy's coming across. And I kind of saw the security guards and literally looked up. I mean, I was probably staring at the ground for 95% of it. Look up and just wham, smoked that guy right in front of us. And the crowd just went absolutely. I That I was kind of excited that we were at the bank because they were already rowdy. And they they love a good tackle there right across the street from Lincoln Financial. That was, uh, that was a really nice pin down right there. Yeah. And by the way, I have no problem with security. I think you hit those guys as hard as you can. Yes. People are 100%. like, Chris. You're inciting violence. Why would you want? Well, here's why. Because we saw Ronald Acuna. Somebody yes. put their hands on this year. You don't yes. know. You just don't know. Most of the time, they're drunk idiots. But, like, what if right. there's a safety issue? And, like, there's no reason to play what ifs. It, they come on the field. Security guards can destroy them. It, I feel totally fine about that. You are, You are entering the field of play. They have no choice but to but to protect the safety of the players. All right. So there's probably Diamondbacks fans that are on edge a little bit, right? It's been a remarkable run, but you, they don't want it to end. And here they're looking at Philly, which is just world beaters right now. And we're down to nothing. And we got to win four of the next five games. How do you guys as baseball players, how are you able to compartmentalize and not make it bigger than it is? Yeah, I think our the best way to do it is to win tomorrow. Win game three. We cannot win the series tomorrow, but neither can the Phillies. We just have to win the game that we play. And then after the game, wash it and try to win the next one. That's the only way we're going to get back into this. We cannot beat the Phillies in four games just tomorrow. We just have to try and get, they have all the momentum. You can't switch it all the way. We just have to slowly get it. And we have to try and get a lead tomorrow and get to our best bullpen guys and try and hold on to the lead and maybe leave tomorrow with a win. And okay, like we're one. We're not going to get swept. Let's just try and get them tomorrow. And okay, if we can win two games at home, we get a chance to go back to Philly and give us a chance. And that's that's really how we have to do it. It's we are not going to overcome a two nothing lead in one night. We just have to we have to get back on the horse and we have to get back to work tomorrow. And um, I think our workout really signified like, hey, like this thing is not over. This is not a best of three where we'd be dead. Where we'd be dead. It's not a best of five where we'd be near dead. Like. We're not in the best situation, but we're, we're certainly not done. We can come back from this, especially with three games with our home fans. Did Tori say anything after the game last night? No, Tori's not. Tori's not a huge meat. Let's talk about it. It's like, a, hey, everyone knows, like, everyone knows what we're up against. We don't need, you know, this isn't Little League where you have to be reminded that this is a National League Championship Series. Everyone understands the stakes are if we win four games out of the next out of the next five, we are we get to go to the World Series. Everybody knows what they have to do a little bit better. Take some self-reflection and make sure that you come next time you get your chance, whenever it is, that you're prepared. Did you want to pitch last night, even in the eighth inning? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I'll, I have a different attitude today than I had yesterday. In the moment, I was like, fuck this. Like, I, I need to be in the game. Like, I need to do what I can do to help the team. We didn't get a guy past second base. It's hard to win the game if you don't get a guy past second base. What's the point of bringing in Thompson, Gink, and me? Six, seven, eight, if we lose. Because the key is to not have your guys face their guys as much as possible. So then for the next right. five that we are, you know, the element of surprise really helps. Now, what if we pitch poorly and like that happens to Thompson, me, and Gink, and we give up 10? Now it's like, well, now you just threw your best guys and you got blown out anyways. Now you have no confidence going in that like, well, they got to our best bullpen guys. Now we at least we still have that. Hey, 
if we can get to our guys, the game's over. We still have that confidence right now. So it, anyone can play manager from Twitter or from the bullpen or after the game. Corey stuck to the way that we've done things all season, and it's got us in the NLCS. I don't think that I don't think that's a wrong move. Anyone could second guess what would have happened had we thrown somebody else there in the sixth. And, you know, we went with the guys that we have trusted and Merrill's been great all year. And Joe has been fantastic the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't in the moment. Did I think it was a bad call? No, at all. I, th- I thought, OK, yeah, yeah. When looking back, it's like, man, maybe we could have done this. But that you can't manage that way, especially from the bullpen. What about when it was at that point? eight or nine or 10, I forget what the score was, but in the bottom of the eighth, did you just want some work? No, I, so I, this is part of the communication thing you have to have with your manager, with your pitching coaches. I got loose and got hot for game one, just in case, you know, we brought up the tying run. Like I was ready to go for game one Um, on what day was that Sunday. I threw like a little mini bullpen to make sure that I was sharp for me. I, I can do that stuff and be sharp rather than, hey, I just need to throw an inning no matter what. I told him that the last game of the year, he asked me, he's like, hey, do you need to throw today? And I said, no, I've done everything I need to do to make sure I'm sharp. I need to be ready so that I can pitch 15 games here in October if you need me. And I think that's that's worked for me. And I everyone's different. Some people maybe need to get that inning. Some people need to get that work. I thought, hey, like this one's out of hand. Let me get like, let me just get a couple of pitches off the mound and then I'll be, I'll be focused for, uh, for Thursday. Okay, good. Baseball fans, baseball playoffs are underway and things are heating up in the ballpark with DraftKings Sportsbook. You won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Sport. Same game parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE and new customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code ROSE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms, responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposits restrictions apply. Now back to the show. I want to hit the rewind button to prior to the Milwaukee series because there weren't a lot of people giving you a chance. I thought Milwaukee's pitching the way it was lined up, even though I don't love their lineup. Uh, I thought between their starters and their and enough of a bullpen that they would be a, a tough out. Yep. And you guys didn't exactly steamroll into October, right? I mean, no, dropped five of your last seven. And you can use the term backed into the playoffs or whatever with 84 wins. But I don't think you gave a lot of us reason to believe in the Diamondbacks at that point. So what is it that flipped, in your opinion? Everyone's ERA was 0-0-0. Everyone's batting average was 0-0-0. But if you got a hit, it goes to 1,000. Everything was brand new. Corbin Burns is one of the best pitchers we have in our league. In a one-game sample, anything can happen against him, right? Like, I wouldn't want to have to face him 30 times in a year. You're probably going to lose, you know, 20, 
23 of those games because he's incredible. Former Cy Young winner. In a one-game sample, anything can happen. Um, your stars come out in the postseason. We're down 3 nothing. Corbin hits a two-run homer. And you just felt like 100 pounds just felt lighter in the dugout. Like, okay, we're going to be fine. Marty hits a homer right away, and we're now we're in it. 3-3. It's like it could have gotten away from us. Hmm. It absolutely could have with, like you said, we kind of back in. You're kind of like, haven't really hit the ball much. Can't pitch. You're down 3 nothing. Could have gone, could have really, I mean, we could have gotten swept by Milwaukee and been like, yeah, we just didn't play our best down the stretch. Corbin hits a homer, Marty hits a homer, it's 3-3, and there's just this huge life of like, why not us? Why not us? No one picked us to beat Milwaukee. No one picks us to beat LA. Let's just keep going. And I think we kind of just took that momentum and, and ran with it. So it was a cute little story. We're like, okay, you want a uh, best of three series in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, though, not the Dodgers. Yep. So then we get to the Dodgers series, and the first inning was unlike anything I had ever seen before. What, it, I what, mean, it's literally his worst inning of his 3,000-inning career. That's, I mean, I'm a, he used to be, before this year, I got Miggy, I got Miggy and Judge to sign a jersey personalized, which is great. But Kershaw was like my guy. Like, I grew up a Dodger fan and grew up like, Kersh is the best pitcher of my generation. That's my guy. Still idolize him even when he's on the other side of the field type thing. And I was like, I cannot believe this just happened. And he couldn't. I mean, you saw his face. His face was like, I've never had an inning like this in my life. Boys just came out firing and that that was that. And like, I I felt like they felt it in game two as well. And then we put up the three spot. It was like, hey, this is, we're going home. And like, all we have to do is win one. When you were sitting in the bullpen for the first inning, of the first game against the Dodgers. Were you guys sitting out there talking to each other? Like what, like what's going on? So I was still, I'm still inside doing my pregame work. So I'm not out there usually until like the third, but I know I came out and I came out to the guys like, well, that was, that was fantastic. Like it's nine to nothing before I got out there. Like this is going to be a great day. I don't even have to get up and stretch. Like we're going to be just fine. I, I think even our own team was like, I did not see that coming. I just was like, I didn't see us beating the Dodgers without throwing any of our best bullpen guys. I just didn't have that on my bingo card. Um, and that was like, that really was like, they beat us all the time in the regular season. Like, why not? Why not? And I think San Diego beating them in the exact same situation last year, where you get beat up all regular season and then you beat them in the postseason, was a huge like motivation factor for us that like San Diego could do it. We could do it too. What is it like closing out series personally for you when you're on the mound? Pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Um, it's it's stressful leading up to it. And then, I, you know, I, I feel a lot better when I'm actually on the mound than like the lead up to it. Um, I felt like I had game two in Milwaukee under control the whole time, even after Yelich's double. And uh, just to get to like, it just is such an adrenaline rush to be the guy who gets the last out and, you know, Hosey comes and runs up and gives me a hug and like everybody starts to come out. And, um, and then the same thing really, when we were here, when we closed out the Dodgers was, I, it was just a sense of relief that I just like, wow, I can't believe that we got through that series. Like this is unbelievable. So just a huge, huge ego boost to get out there and get to, uh, get to be a part of that and have all those videos be, uh, be you throwing that last pitch is pretty fun. It, how different is it when you're throwing a playoff pitch as opposed to a regular season pitch? 
I think your focus level is definitely higher. I think that's something that everyone needs to work on, but something that's not realistic to be at your absolute peak focus for every single game of 162 games. That's just not, it's not feasible. It's not real. Um, I just think the dedication and the focus of every single pitch is really what's the difference of, of I've given outings away where I'm like, man, I really wasn't even like, that wasn't my best mental effort to start with, which is disappointing, but like it happens over the course of 70 outings in the postseason, you are, you are ready. And it feels like every inning is the ninth inning from the first inning on. And you just, you take it all in and um, you're ready to go when it's your chance. Are you nervous? I, I'm nervous for the entire game before I feel like I go in the game. When I go in the game, I feel much more under control of what can happen. There's the, like, what's going to happen. This, the, like the lead up is nerve wracking. I feel like when I pitch, I, that's my comfort zone. Uh, you guys have a budding superstar in Corbin Carroll. I think if my math is right, I think he's going to finish fifth in the MVP uh, behind Acuna, Mookie, Freddie, Olsen, and then probably him. You also have played with Julio Rodriguez. How do you compare the two? This has become my favorite question, and this is one of my favorite things about the fact that I went from Seattle to Arizona, you just, I just got so lucky getting to see Julio in his rookie season and just say like, how can you be a star that quickly? And then I get to see Corbin do the exact same thing. And these are just two of the guys that if you redrafted the league would probably go in the top five picks of people that you would want to pick. These guys are young superstars with no signs of slowing down. They're both just on top of the talent level, the just maturity to just be able to handle this stuff at 22, 23 is, is for me, one of the most amazing things out of both of them. Like I thought Julio was a one in generation and I see Corbin is exactly the same thing. He just, he can handle it. I I'll never forget. This will be the, this will be my Corbin Carroll moment. We, this is maybe two and a half weeks after I got here. He had struggled a little bit in July and a little bit when I got here, we were in Colorado, we won the game, but he did not. He didn't hit, he didn't hit the ball very well. The the batting cages are like down below where the like food room is and where everybody starts to walk to the bus. So I am grabbing my food, like, all right, like whatever, man, like days a day. And I look down and he's in a tank top, just whacking balls, whacking balls. And I thought to myself, this is like right at the mountaintop. You either go wait, you start to go. Or you just fall off dramatically. And like a 23-year-old, I'm a little nervous of like what that what's gonna happen. Next day it was two hits. Day after it was a hit, two days after it was two hits. And he just went back to like, no, 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 I'm the rookie of the year and it's not even close. And I I'll never forget that moment where I kind of was like, all right, this is a big moment for a kid. How's he gonna be able to handle this? Is he gonna take a thousand swings and get himself out of it? He took a thousand swings and got himself right back to where he needed to go. Cool story. Yeah. That's a really cool story. That's who that's who he is. He he's gonna do everything he can to be the best player he can be for however many years he's gonna play. Hope we're thinking well into uh the twenty thirties. Into his Longoria years, if you will. Into his Longoria years, fifteen years later. That would be I, I think even Corbin would take that. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. It's an amazing <laughs> story, to be honest with you, with Longo, right? Two thousand eight, he comes up, he gets the raise to the World Series. And here he is, you know, at the twilight of his career, 
He's playing for the city where he now resides the whole bit. Can you see it, how special it is when you look in his eyes? Yeah, you can see him this like this postseason, especially he's like really taking everything in. I, you know, I'm not at that point. I'm sure someday at that point where you're like, this is it. You just really want to like, you got to soak these in. It's not photos. It's not, you know, picture. It just is like, I just want, I just want this in my memory bank. And, and he's been through, he's been through it all other than winning the world series. And, um, we are trying our best to make sure that that's how he goes out if he chooses to go out this year. But I, I do think there's a sense that he, he, you know, he maybe knows it's the end and, and he's just trying to take this in and what a ride we've given him for the last couple of weeks. I'm sure, I'm sure this is even a surprise for him. And I, you can see he's just enjoying it too. He's being back in Philly, I think was quite the like full circle moment of 15 years later, whether it's the LCS or the world series. I, I just think that probably hit him, you know, harder than maybe the rest of us understand. Just not as many puddles on the diamond form this time around. Yeah, that was that was a that. little wet. That was yeah. a little wet. I'm glad that we avoided that this trip. Yeah, good job. Uh, one guy that came from another coast, uh, but met you in Arizona midseason by a trade was Tommy Pham, and I think that he's one of the more interesting guys we have in this league. Now, I've interviewed Tommy a couple times, not on this particular show, um, so I don't know him really well. He's very polarizing. People either think that he comes in and galvanizes a locker room because he's been around, he sees it, and he is really intense, or goddamn, he is such an asshole. Yeah. What is the truth here? I think it depends a little bit on how you went into it, and then maybe he sways you another way. I think that's probably people are people have their first impression before you ever get a first impression, and then you kind of let that fester. I think from what I've seen, you know, I've known Tommy forever being a Vegas guy, but not, not on the level right. now that being a teammate for two months really shows you, especially in the postseason. Um, Tommy is just one of the hardest workers in this entire league. He's one of the smarter players in this league, and he's just so dedicated to his craft and doing everything he can to be ultra prepared that like you just can't ask for anything more as a teammate in my perspective. Not all 26 guys have to be my best friend. That's that's not really how a best clubhouse works. I, I want guys that I know are prepared as much as they can for every game. We Like we talked about, your focus level in the postseason needs to be 100. Tommy's is always 100%, and that's why he's had the career he's had. He, he can't see his eyesight so bad and look at the career he's had. That's just part of like, he just is so dedicated in making sure that he's ultra prepared, his swing, his approach, his base running in the field. I mean, guy with that much time does not have to do extra work like religiously but he i think he gets i think he gets off of doing that extra work and that's that's why he's been such a great player and what a good role model for some guys who their talent level is higher but their work ethic is not the same because i'm 23 i'm 25 things have gone really well for me my whole life i think he's been an incredible staple whether he is a diamondback for the rest of his career or not, I think we'll have a lasting impression on the young guys that we have here. Cool. Um, interesting year for you. You got traded for the first time in your life. Yep. Did you expect to be? So June 30th, I thought I was going to be. We couldn't win any games. And when you're a closer with a year and a half of of uh, control left, you're usually a pretty wanted uh, commodity. and I take a look and we kind of felt like we needed to improve things in Seattle. It would be irresponsible 
for Jerry and Justin maybe not to trade me. Then we roll off the best record in baseball in July. And on July 30th, when we left Arizona, I thought, man, it would be great if we could trade a prospect or two and get a bat and like really see what we could do down the stretch. I, I think we have something. I'm in the field the next day, take off my shirt to get ready to go. And Scott says, would you come to my office? And I knew that that was probably not a good sign for my time in, uh, in Seattle. And, you know, he was emotional. Justin was emotional. It just was, uh, it was, you know, it was difficult. We had a really good three years there and I was very thankful for everything they gave me that turned my, my career and my life around. And, um, when they told me the news, I was, I was, I was really disappointed and, and just was trying to take everything in that, that had happened for three years. And, um, just one of those moments that I'll never forget. I'll never forget that speech. That was, uh, that was the first time something positive had happened in my life where I saw the business of baseball, you know, you get sent down and you kind of like, so then you just have a bad attitude about it. This was like, they just had to do what was best for the Seattle Mariners and and that's their responsibility. And, um, I'm thankful for everything that organization's given me, but I'm in the, I'm in the NLCS because of it. And so it's worked out pretty damn well for me. Did you cry? Yeah. When I, I think I was trying to, I was, I was trying to create like a social media post and thank the fans and thank the people there. And like the next day when I was flying to San Francisco and that's really like, that's really when it hit me that I was leaving SeaTac that I was like, man, this is not, this is not my city anymore. As much as I had enjoyed my time there, that was, uh, I just, you know, we had my daughter when I was there, I grew up as a player there. My family had grown there. I had family there. Like it, it was a great spot and I had become very comfortable and very happy there. And, um, we broke a 21 year playoff drought and that's something no one will ever be able to take from those 26 guys. And so, yeah, it was emotional. And, and, you know, you just think about things and, you know, I'm a dad of a daughter now, so getting emotional is fine. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not a mm -hmm. tough guy anymore. And, you know, Good. I had to put my sunglasses on in the middle of the airport because people, you know, people recognized me and kind of knew like, Hey, you're leaving the city. And it was kind of like, all right, like you got to get it together. But it was um, just, I just wanted to thank the fans for everything they had, they had done for me. And I was very appreciative of everything. Seattle gave me. That's an amazing perspective. Did anybody come up to you and just say thank you in the airport? Yeah, lots of people. Lots of people did. I probably ran into a dozen people that said like, I'm so sad or like thankful. And uh, the Alaska Airlines people, like I showed up and kind of was like trying to get help with my bags. And they like, there was this line that was like 50 people long and five people just stopped what they were doing, like help me with my bags and try to get in. I was like, all right, like, you know, I appreciate it, but you have to get back to work. And they're just like, I can't believe this, like all, all these things. And it was, uh, it felt good. And, you know, the fans had been incredible to me that like, I'm just a relief pitcher. And for them to take me in like that was, was pretty amazing. There we go. Mental note, just get traded and you can get an automatic upgrade on Alaska Airlines. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. Who knew? Good people so, there. Good people. So when you get to Arizona, how does it work? I mean, here you are. It's one thing at the beginning of spring training when everybody's kind of new and it's a new group of guys, but here you are. It's like you and fam. And here we are. I didn't, I downplayed how difficult that would be in the middle of a season. Um, you know, I came over to Seattle and you get to embrace spring training and you get to learn everybody. And, you know, we just jump in and it's like, you know, Hayes calls me and is like, Hey, can you get to the field like tonight? And I'm like, okay, like I can't come to the field tonight, but that's, we're in the pennant race. Like we really, we need you there and we need you to be Paul Sewell like tomorrow, but just, you know, a 180 from what you're used to. This is a different team. You're it's doing all this different stuff. You have a different culture, you have a different everything. Um, and you know, then we, we rattled off nine straight losses when I got traded. 
one of which was you know a blown save which was which was probably that's probably my worst day as a diamondback i you know you get traded for and then it's your chance to kind of break a long losing streak and then you just really fumble the bag which was you know devastating it and i just felt like so bad for my teammates that they had worked so hard blowing saves is the worst thing in the world because everyone does everything they can to give you the chance and like you know just to blow it is is a bummer but like dude they traded everyone that they kind of liked over here for you and then that's the that's your first introduction into a save opportunity um i did not feel so great i was very thankful that we finally started to get on a roll after that what is the adjustment like when you get traded i mean like because your world you've got you have a child you have a wife this is not easy like how did all that go down so i am spoiled and lucky and for me it was an easy transition where i packed my bag and flew to san francisco the next day uh my mother-in-law flew to seattle so that she could watch my daughter and molly cleaned out our house in seattle and packed everything up and donated things and got the movers and did the whole thing for four days and and then flew home and then met me in in phoenix the next week but um yeah i'm just very lucky that i have the family support that i have that made it where it was like hey just take a day with your family and understand what happened but then you know i i got to get to the field unfortunately so um very thankful for my family more than anything it's the um and kudos to her and your entire family for taking care of that because it is the number one thing that Ploof and I talk about at the trade deadline that most fans, they don't give a second thought about, nor should they. They don't understand the business. Yeah. But we just expect you to kind of show up the next day and boom, there you are in another city. Yeah. Your world gets turned upside down, dude. Yeah. And just everything's different. You know, you don't, you don't, there's like different bus times. There's different, like the way you stretch, the way you get ready for the game. I have new catcher who's never caught me before, who literally had, like has never seen me before. I had, you know, I had obviously built something with with Cal Raleigh and Tom Murphy over the past three years. And um, I had a process for how we did the pre or pre-series report meetings, I had a process for just everything I did. And then I look around, I'm like, this is just different. And you try and take it all in. And um it's it was more difficult than I thought. I kind of was like, yeah, just you know, my wife asked me, like, well, you know what's the analytics situation there and i was like well it doesn't matter like i i know what like i know what i need to do i'll be just fine and it's kind of like whoa like things are different i need to like i need to figure out how arizona does things and then we need to have convo and figure out exactly how we're going to like mesh the best and um i feel like it's taken us a couple months but we've kind of found our footing here in the postseason which is great can i just say that i dig it that your wife is asking you what the analytics situation is in arizona Mm -hmm. She knows. She knows how this she knows how this life works. She's she's been through it all with me. So she knows. I mean, she was there for, you know, the not great years in New York and she's been there for the amazing years the last few years. And um, she understood that, you know, what Seattle meant to me and how how it really turned my career around. And, you know, there was that, you know, mini fear that it's like, well, is it just Seattle or have I become, you know, this picture that the Diamondbacks want? And um, I think I've shown it's the latter. But, you know, there's obviously that part there that it's like, well, is is it just work? Does it just work in Seattle or can it work everywhere else? Uh, there are a couple questions I want to ask about Seattle. And um, it was a weird last few weeks for them. There were two things said by guys that became public. I mean, they were in front of microphones. George Kirby uh, in one game pitching in the seventh inning got knocked around. After the game, he said, I was surprised that I was still in the game in the seventh inning. That became a big thing, right? 
Yeah. Um, and our question was, Ploop and I kind of asked, hey, because he apologized the next day, would somebody have pulled him aside, a veteran pitcher? Like, listen, dude, even if you feel that way, come talk to us. Come talk to somebody else. Don't do it in front of a microphone. Is that the role you would have played if you had been there? That would have been me or Robbie Ray, who I think the Mariners missed more. I shouldn't say more, more off the field, but like, I think his, his, his worth to the pitching, the young pitching staff was really felt when he wasn't around and wasn't like there to hold people accountable with the starters. Now that would have been without, without Robbie, that would have been me the next, that night being like, George, come to my room. Like we have to, we have to talk about what you just said. And, you know, people here were like, what's with your boy Kirby. And I'm like, this is, that's so far from George that like, that's what really caught me off guard. And maybe a couple other guys that I texted, like, where did that come from? Like this guy is give me the ball. I will throw seven shutty against the Astros when we're down to nothing in the ALDS. Like that's the George. I know who's ultra competitive for everything. Golf, hacky sack, baseball, like whatever. And he doesn't want to pitch the seventh inning. Like that just felt really weird to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a part of the dugout anymore. I don't know, but you know, I don't know what was going on in there, but that just seemed really weird. And with no Robbie around really. And then, you know, I kind of left and there were a lot of young guys that really didn't, didn't take that role. And I know that was, I think that was a little strange towards the end. Definitely. The other one was Cal Raleigh, um, where at the end of the year, they had Texas in their place for four. They had a chance over the last 10 days because they were playing Texas twice in Houston to get into the playoffs. And instead they, they didn't, it didn't work out. And Cal came out and said, listen, we need to make a play. The guys across the hall in Texas are spending a, a half billion dollars on their middle infield. Like good players mean success. And we yep. need to start doing that. He came back and backtracked a little bit, not as much. I loved what he said, to be honest with you, because I think it's a wake up for management and ownership that your players care. And he's one of them. And he just wants the best players possible. Um, I imagine you heard it. What was your take on it? I had, I been there probably would have echoed the exact same thing. I, you know, I had my frustrations while I was there about the team that we had put together as well. And, you know, and frankly, that's why I got traded. So then I still, I still, you know, how I, I'm so excited to be here in Arizona, but a part of me is like, well, had we done something different, I wouldn't have been traded and I would have been there and we would have been in the position where we could have run it back there more than anything. So um, I don't blame Cal at all. I understand exactly what he's saying. You noticed a few people came to his his side and kind of said mm-hmm. the same thing. And um, you know, we as a group it felt frustrating that we didn't that we went from the ALDS last year being right there, that we didn't improve our team as much as we thought we probably needed to. Now, Jerry's job is difficult, and I don't I don't question how difficult that job is. And you know. I love John Stanton in the ownership group as well. And I'm forever thankful for them. But when you're two, when your division rival literally takes you out at your home stadium like that, and all they did was go from last place to their two games away from the world series by spending money. It just hits you. It hits you harder than the Yankees who maybe are on the other side of the, you know, the bracket or whatever. It just really was like, they went from a team that we used to just wax to taking our spot in two years by spending and it can be spent irresponsibly look in New York and San Diego, or it can be spent really, really well. Like the two teams that are up to well right now. 
I appreciate your time. I got three more things. I'm going to let you clear your mind, go do what you need to do to get ready for game three. Uh, Number one is you are a Vegas guy. You're a few years older than Bryce Harper, and I know you're not interested in throwing flowers in the direction of your opponent right now. But he just turned 31. He has been in the public persona for half of his life now. How amazed are you that he has more than lived up to being Bryce Harper? That Sports Illustrated article cover everything was so unrealistic. And like the expectations were just outrageous. Um, And I just saw a tweet today that I really thought was great. They talked about him and LeBron both being called the chosen one at barely drivable age. And to live up to that expectation is just ridiculous. I mean, that's just not fair to anybody, let alone a 16-year-old kid. And he's, I mean, he's he's exceeded that, right? I mean, he now in back-to-back postseasons has been the best postseason player. And and that's just, he's really turned into a superstar. He's an He's an amazing person that after this series, I'll remind him that I, you know, I still think that way, but um, you know, I've known him forever and, and just extremely proud that he represents our city more than, more than anybody in this baseball industry. And um, he's, he's turned into a fantastic, fantastic player and rising in the postseason is, has really become his thing. It's been impressive. Yeah. I think you told us before, didn't you, didn't you play against him when he was younger, but he was a so few years his brother him. and I are the same age. Right. We play together forever. And then it was like, hey, we're kind of we're kind of down a guy for the little series. Like, can you can Bryce come and he would be our best player like when he was seven and we were 10. And it's like that doesn't really seem fair. So um, it hasn't it hasn't really shocked us that he's turned into a player. But the fact that he's, you know, exceeded any expectation that came from that article is is just impressive. Number two, I want to give you a shout out for your choice of what you wore to the game in Philly. Um, Pat Tillman's jersey. I loved it that you did it. Uh, why was that important for you? I just think, you know, what a what a staple of of Arizona sports. And I'm trying to, you know, they get mad at me because I like the Rams and I like, you know, and it's tough that we're kind of going against teams. But, you know, I think we can all agree that Pat Tillman is, is one of the most incredible athletes that we've ever had. His sacrifice is just like when I think about, like, leaving my career right now to fight in a war just seems like, it's just something that I can't even put my like mind around. And, you know, he gave his ultimate, ultimate sacrifice for us. And, um, he's a hero, he's a hero in our country, but you know, he's especially a hero being a, an ASU guy and then in an Arizona Cardinal. And, um, you know, I just thought it was, I thought it was a cool staple to show, you know, allegiance to, uh, to my new city. Tip of the cap to you. Finally, you are a smart, smart guy. You probably would have been an accountant just like your parents had you not made it in the baseball world. But man, oh man, don't you ever, ever do a cannonball in a three-foot pool again. <laughs> I saw everyone jump plenty the first time we did that, and I felt very confident that I was going to be fine, and I was. And if you look at the video, I don't even come close to scraping the bottom. We're just fine. But I did. you see that I did get gingerly to the edge um and was very careful from there um so it worked out all fine it worked out all fine okay are you a good swimmer uh i mean i was born in las vegas and we had a pool my whole life so like swimming's not an issue for me and um got a new got a new pool at the new house that we'll uh we'll get to eventually and do a little swimming and um my daughter's taking it up and she's done you know she's done the like isr emergency breathing stuff so we're gonna be swimming a little bit in the house nice i love that that's very good 
Uh, it was great catching up with you. I wish you the best of luck. Let's uh, go get a dub in game three so we can make this a nice series. I always root for long series. So, I'm, you know, I'm a baseball fan. I like watching the game. Sweeps are uh, sweeps are not the way we want them. We want competitive series. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of been a little bit of a, like, slow postseason, I think. So maybe a little bit of, like, two-game magic here. Let's take it back, win game six, maybe have a game seven and see what happens at uh, at the bank. I think that place in a game seven might be a oh. little loud and rowdy. Yeah, it actually might uh, spontaneously combust if there is a it's, game seven there. It's possible. It's possible. If it's not, it would be it would be on a Tuesday, so the Eagles would not be playing. I think it's possible that it could just could just explode. Yeah, it could just disintegrate. Could be something like that. It was great catching up with you. I do appreciate the time. Uh, I know it's not the best circumstance being down 0-2, but I always love catching up with you. You have tremendous insight and you're a good dude. So you're thank the best, you so Rosie. I appreciate you having me on. Again, thank you for the patience of trying to get me through this schedule. And we're uh, we're always happy to come on. Yeah, I promise not to stalk you. I, I really am a limited stalker when it comes to the baseball world. Right? That's fine. I, the limited stalking is fine. I'll let you know if you cross the line. Okay, thank Yeah, exactly. Hey, Rose, back off. No problem, Mr. Accountant. Uh, special shout out to our producer extraordinaire, the one and only Robbie Chiracco. I'll see you all best of luck in game three. Let's uh, let's see you out there trying to close it out against the Phillies. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Go Snakes. I will see you next time here on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.